You are listening to audio from Hyde Park Baptist Church in Lumberton, North Carolina. You can join us each Sunday morning at 1045 Eastern Standard Time at hydepark.online.church. Thank you, Carol. Good morning. Good morning. morning. There you go. Hey, we are awake this morning. Um, We're glad to have you with us this morning. We're glad to have those that are online with us this morning. Hopefully, Pastor Jeff is watching online this morning. Um, Called me earlier this week and said there's some things that have taken place up in North Wilkesboro that he was going to need to go help his father work on. And he felt that uh, he needed to be there to help his father with that. And so he's not here with us this morning. And um, today we're going to continue our our sermon series, The Keys to Happiness. In the Sermon on the Mount, specifically the Beatitudes. Um, Last week, young Nikki preached... This week, old Nikki's going to speak to you. <laughs> There's only, you know, what, two or three years difference in our age? Yeah, yeah. he's just, just a little bit younger than I am. And, uh, you know, as I stand up here this morning, I'll tell you that I was scheduled to be on the worship team. And I would much rather have been worshiping and singing with you than standing up here speaking to you. But, I don't mind speaking, and that's the task we have before us at hand today. So, we're going to take a look at the, the Scripture and the Word of God, and uh, we'll go from there. You know, we, we talked about that this week and, and the following weeks, we're going to be looking at the Beatitudes. One of the guys that, uh, Ralph, this thing would just not stick on my head like it's supposed to. Um, I guess my ear and Jeff's ear is not the same ear, but the... Um, he said that the Beatitudes were attitudes that a, a disciple of Jesus should be. One guy said that it's something that said that these attributes of the Christian life are something in the Beatitudes that we should be pursuing. And this thing is driving me crazy. Grab a mic. Green mic. Green mic. Okay, here we go. We'll get it right. That these are attitudes that a Christian should be, and so as we look at, at this scripture that we have today and, and, and in following weeks, we're going to see that this is a a teaching moment, as Nikki pointed out last week, that Jesus had gone up to the mountain, he'd separated himself from the multitudes, and has taken his disciples up, and you know, the multitudes following him everywhere he went anyway, but he had taken his disciples up to the mountain and he'd sit down on a rock. This is a teaching moment. And he started teaching these things that we're going to study in the next few weeks. And I told Jeff, I called Jeff this week, no, he actually called me. 
And we were talking, and I said, man, I have hit a roadblock. I mean, this is a, this is a tough scripture to speak on. As Nikki said last week, last week, as you look in some of this stuff, there's some real stuff in there. You know, we've heard the Beatitudes read. We've heard probably who knows how many sermons from the Beatitudes. We've, if we don't know what they're all about, we do know of them. But when you start looking in there, Jesus is bringing about some things that, that these disciples... And I told Jeff, you know, this came to me, is that this is on the front side of the death, burial, and resurrection. Jesus isn't teaching like the Old Testament prophets. He's not teaching from the Old Testament law. And these guys are hearing these, blessed is the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And they're thinking, what? I told Jeff, you said, you know, it, how did they accept these things? How did they look at these things? And then, and then it came to me that Jesus told the disciples that I'm going to leave you. And then there will be, God's going to send someone. He's going to send the Holy Spirit. That's going to bring back to remembrance all things that I have taught you. And we see that in the scripture. In that when Matthew wrote this, he wrote this several years after the death, burial, and resurrection. But these teaching moments that Jesus was laying out to them, they just couldn't wrap their head around it at that point in time. But later on, after Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit had arrived in power and started dealing with them in their personal life, man, they started... They started writing this scripture that God had inspired them to put down as a teaching moment for us. That God will be able to use them for centuries to come. These teaching moments that he has inspired them to put in the writing. One thing about the Sermon on the Mount and one thing about the Beatitudes is that one guy I read said that it's for anyone, but they're not for everyone. The anyone is a believer. The everyone is the world. And we know that not everyone is going to come to salvation knowledge in Jesus Christ. But anyone that does then these are the things in life that we must pursue. We must make these things... Uh-oh. We must make these things part of our life. I'm having trouble with Tully's iPad. In pursuit of these things... Jesus starts building upon one beatitude after another. I mean, he couldn't start off with blessed are the pure in heart. Because how are you going to get there? He lays down the first beatitude. Was blessed are the poor in spirit. 
As Nikki laid out last week, and if you weren't here for Nikki's sermon, you need to go back and watch it. But as he laid out last week, poor is, when we're poor in spirit, when we realize our spiritual bankruptcy, when we realize that spiritually, in light of the purity and holiness and righteousness of Almighty God, how poor in spirit we are. And we realize that we have a need to draw near to what God is. And the only way we could get there is through the salvation through Jesus Christ. You know, we can't, we can't keep on trying to rest upon the accolades of the world. We can't keep on striving for the, the things that the world have, has to offer apart from Jesus. When we realize our spiritual bankruptcy again, that we need that Savior in our life. And Paul said over in Romans, he said, Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? Only. And we know the only way. How? Jesus. Thank you for those on the front row. Only way is Jesus. A true encounter with God. We've got to realize that this temporal world is nothing. We've got to quit striving for the things of this world and put our rest upon the eternal kingdom of God. Accept the Savior for who he is and what he said he'll do for us. And then, so we move into the next verse. All those who will and all those who can, please stand at the reading of God's word. Reading from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verse 4. Blessed are those that mourn for they shall be comforted. Father, again, Lord, I thank you. For today, I thank you for the worship that we've had this morning, both services. Lord, we pray that, thank you for your spirit, and we pray that your spirit will continue to inhabit this place. Lord, I pray that our hearts are prepared to open up for, for your word. And Lord, I pray that, you know how amped up I am, and how fast I can get. So, Father, I just pray that you'll slow me down and use me and flow through me this morning to deliver the true word of God. Not my opinion, not the things that I've read, their opinion, but, Lord, I just pray that as I've studied and let the Holy Spirit work this morning, Hide me behind the cross. Forgive me of my sins. That I may be a vessel that you can use. And Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit will work in this place. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. 
You may be seated. I know last week when um, we said this, this sermon series is going to be the, the keys to happiness and we're going to be looking at the Beatitudes that, and Nikki spoke about the first Beatitude being in poor in spirit and you're so excited. I know that you went home and you looked at the next verse. I know you, you know, I'm, I'm sure that you looked at that next verse and said, man, we got to get back to church next Sunday. Because, you know, I'm so excited about blessed are those that mourn. You know, I, I'm sure that you looked at that verse and you just said, I've got, I've got to be there. Because, man, I, you know, this is, this is something that's real. And so you're here. I can tell you that, man, y'all might have been excited this week, and I'm sure you probably didn't even look at it. But I've been struggling this week. Blessed are those that mourn. You know, I looked up, I looked up the definition of everything. I looked up the definition of the. You know, I mean, you know, every word in there. You know, Father, what, what you're going to bring out of blessed are those that mourn. You know, um, I looked up in the dictionary, one of the synonyms for, you know, Nikki told us last week that blessed is happy, happy are those. And actually, uh, happy are the followers of God who, that's a quote, Nikki Barnes, May 21st, 2023. That's blessed are those that mourn or happy are the followers of God who, Mourn. One of the synonyms for mourn is, I mean, excuse me, one of the synonyms for blessed is warm fuzzies. <laughs> now, how does that apply? I mean, you know, you can't really put that. Warm fuzzies are those that mourn, for they shall be comforted. But let's break it down some. To mourn means to have a broken heart. In the Greek, this is definition, it means to have a deep inner pain when something tragic happens. As of the death of a loved one. It also means to have a desperate sorrow over evil and suffering. In natural world, mourning at the loss of a loved one is something that we probably will all face. Most of us probably already have. And when we mourn at the death of someone, it's how are we going to live life without it? You know, we've lost that relationship. We've lost that mentorship. We've lost that, for some of us, we've lost that guidance. My father died when I was 17. You know, we've lost that love. My mother died when I was 25. Tully's raised me. We got married 
right after we got out of the crib. I, t I tell everyone that Tully looks good in Huggies. <laughs> but, you know, we mourn at the loss of those relationships, and, you know, for those that have lost our spouse. You know, we, we go through a time of grief. And some people go through that time and wonder, you know, how am I going to come out of it? C.S. Lewis wrote a book, A Grief Observed. After his wife died and he went through mourning and the grief of losing his spouse. And he said no one ever told him that grief looks so much like fear. How am I going to live a life without the one that I've loved my whole life? Almost my whole life. How do you draw comfort through that? What's Jesus got to do in your life to bring you through that kind of situation? Well, Jesus did some things for some people. We'll look at Matthew 9. Verse 18. Matthew 9, verse 18. While he was saying these things to them, behold, a ruler came and knelt before him, saying, My daughter has just died. Just died. But come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. Now in Luke, Luke calls the name of this, this ruler as Jairus. And it says that Jairus was a ruler in the synagogue. You know, if we ever wonder if, anyone, if any religious rulers ever trusted in Jesus, the King James Version says he came and knelt and worshipped Jesus Christ. I would say that he probably did. Because what did he say? He had the faith, he worshipped him, and he had the faith that said, I know that if you'll come, and if you'll touch her, that she will live again. Verse 19 says, And Jesus arose and followed him with his disciples. Now, we're going to jump over to verse 23 in between from verse 19 to verse 23 the woman that had the issue of blood for 12 years has come up behind Jesus and barely touched the hem of his garment and has become healed that's another sermon so we'll get, jump, jump into verse 23 and when Jesus came to the ruler's house and he saw the flute players you know those, those folks that paid worshippers sort of kind of thing. And the crowd making a commotion, you know, lamenting and just crying out because of the death of the young girl. And, I, and as I was reading this, I was thinking, well, you can imagine if he was a ruler in the synagogue, in the synagogue then that also puts him in a, as a political ruler in Jerusalem. 
And so you can imagine that everything that would be involved when you've got somebody at such a high stature that has lost a loved one in his home. And so you've got a lot of people doing a lot of things, and Jesus shows up. And when Jesus came to the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the crowd making a commotion, he said, go away. It's all, hey, listen, Jesus said, it's over with. This, this stuff that you're doing, it's, it's over with. She's just asleep. Go away, for the girl is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. Jairus probably wasn't laughing. He's been worshiping and he's been crying and he's been torn because his daughter lays dead in his house. And Jesus is telling, listen, this commotion is of no value because she's not dead. And so it goes on and, and they laughed at him, but when the crowd had been put out, Get them out of the way. Get them out. This, this is not real. This is not what's going to happen. It says, but when the crowd had been put outside, he went and he took her by the hand. And the girl arose. Verse 26 says, and the report of this went out through all the district. Jairus had come to Jesus. Because his natural state of mourning and loss was gripping his life. But he knew somebody that could change it. He knew the only one that could make a difference. He knew the only one that could take the situation and say, get outside, she's just asleep. He knew that only one that could fix his broken heart and mend that grief, the only one that could restore life was Jesus. This is how Jesus brought comfort back to the mourning Jairus. The natural state of mourning. But when we're looking at this scripture, when it says, blessed are those that mourn, we're not talking about the natural state of mourning. Jesus is talking about the spiritual state of mourning. And what do we mourn spiritually? We mourn because of death. Why do we have death? What, what, bring, what brought death into the realm of the world? Sin. Sin. The fallen man in the Garden of Eden. When Satan came in and deceived Adam and Eve. God didn't mean it when he said that you'll die. You can eat of that fruit. 
The wages of sin is death. That's natural. We can mourn death. But spiritually, what do we mourn? We still mourn death because of sin. Spiritually, we've got to take a look at the sin in our life. When Jesus is saying, blessed are those that mourn, when he's saying, happy are those that mourn, is that when they figure out that there's still sin in a believer's life. We're not perfect. John says in his epistle that if we say we have no sin, the truth is not in us. We, de we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. The truth, the gospel of Jesus, is not there if we say we have no sin. So, what do we look at? What do we mourn? I bet everybody, just about, I know that everybody has sin. There's always something in that closet. There's something that we've committed. There's, some, there's something some of us hang on to that we allow to stay there. It might be something that we haven't owned up to yet. It might be something that we haven't taken a, a, a hold of and brought into our, into our own life that we haven't grabbed and big, that where we've not become the man or woman for God that we should be. What do you do with the Holy Spirit? Have you pushed Him aside? What do we do with Jesus? Have we put Him in the closet? We've made church part of our American dream, as David Platt said in his book, Radical. You know, we live our life the way that we want to. We try to achieve everything, education, money, you know, family, cars, whatever it may be that we feel that we need to try to aspire to, to have in our life. Not saying that having some of those things is wrong, it's just what are we looking to in our life? When the Holy Spirit has opened the door and completely led us to go through that door and we back up from it, that, that is sin. Are we looking at those things in our life? Are we mourning the things that we've allowed to get there? Are we holding on to them and just kind of, you know, you know, God, I, 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 I'm coming to church. I'm giving some money. I'm there every week. I might even teach. I might, I might speak. I might sing in the choir. I might be on the praise band, whatever it may be. But are we allowing that sin in our life to stay there? What about some thoughts that you may have thought about this week? What about a little white lie that you may have told this week to make yourself feel a little bit better in the position that you're with with somebody at work? What about the things you may have said, the thoughts that you may have thought about while you're at school? What about the attitude that you may have toward a brother and sister in Christ? Have you looked at those things? Have you considered how those things might keep us separated from the relationship that Jesus really wants us to have with Him? 
What are you looking to in your life? Are you mourning what we've allowed to stay there? Time to get rid of it. You know, we may say, we've, we've, I've had a good week. I haven't, I haven't lied about anybody. I haven't stolen anything from anybody. I haven't killed anybody. You know, we've had a good week. But what about when Jesus opens the door for you to be a blessing to someone and you don't go through that door? James in his epistle says for him, that, this is the King James quote, James says, for he that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, for him it is sin. And the wages of sin is death. When we allow sin to stay there, it separates us from Jesus. It separates us from the Father. And that's not the desire that Jesus has. That's not... That's not what the Holy Spirit desires for us to have. It grieves the Father. It grieves the Son. The Holy Spirit, it, it grieves the Holy Spirit that we're not walking with Him. It grieves the Father because of the plan for redemption that He's put in place. It grieves the Son because He paid the physical penalty for that sin. He suffered for that sin. He died as a sacrifice for that sin that we could have redemption by the mercies of God to get that stuff out of our life that God's glory and for His purpose could be revealed. And we still walk in sin. Blessed are those that mourn, that realize that I'm a wretched man, as Paul said. Got to get this out of our life. Twenty-five, thirty years ago, I know y'all really didn't think I was that old, but about 25 or 30 years ago, I was listening to a radio station in Myrtle Beach, a Christian radio station, and actually that's the first Christian radio station that signed on with Caleb, about, probably about 20, 25 years ago, and the DJ that day while I was listening said, Something had spoken to him. I don't know whether it was a teaching or sermon that he heard. I don't remember exactly what brought it about. But he realized his sinfulness. He'd been in ministry for years. He'd been saved since he was a child. He'd been you know, part of crusades. He'd been part of you know, the, a Christian min radio ministry for years. And he realized, excuse me, The sin, he said, I've been busy. I've been busy for the Lord. I've been busy at church. I've been busy at the radio station. I've been busy at, at Christian festivals. I've been busy. But there's some, sin, there's some sin in my life. There's some things in my life that has kept me from being what God really wants me to be. And he said, 
I'm a wretched man. Just as Paul said. Now get this. When Paul wrote that letter to the Romans, he was an apostle. He's not talking about his life before he was saved. All that Paul accomplished, the, most of the New Testament he wrote through the inspiration of God. And he said, I'm a wretched man. This radio station DJ said that from, the, from then on, from that point on, when he did his daily devotion, when he got up in the morning, he reminded himself, that I'm a wretched individual. Do we look at the sin in our lives? When Jesus was walking toward Jerusalem, he mourned for his people. He was coming up on Jerusalem and he started weeping Oh, Jerusalem, only if you would have kept to what God wanted you to be. God had put them in the chosen people. He'd set them apart. The new covenant, I mean, well, the old covenant was with them. Instead of, instead of drawing in to be to what God would have them to be, what they draw to was the law. The things that they could aspire to were the things that we can, we can count on. We can count that we got this one right. We can count that we got that one right. We can count that we've been here. We've been there. We're keeping this. We've sacrificed that. We've done all these things. God's got to be pleased with us. But they weren't looking to the heart of God. What about us? Most of you come to church here about every Sunday. Most of us take part in a lot of stuff that happens here at Hyde Park. Have you evaluated your stance with Jesus? Have you looked in your life and seen the little things that you might have left undone that you haven't confessed before a Heavenly Father, when, when you compare your life to that holiness and that purity and that righteousness of Almighty God, how do you look? Does it hit home? How do you look? We're given an opportunity. We're given an opportunity to look at our lives and say, Father, I'm mourning, I'm grieving over the sin of the wretchedness of the man that I am. Are you walking the right path with the Holy Spirit? Are we? 
Are we walking with God? Jerusalem was chosen. They were set apart. They failed. We're redeemed. We're adopted. We have an inheritance. Don't let some sin separate you from that. Are you going to be all that God wants you to be? Are you going to step away from the pride? I don't, you know, it doesn't matter how much scripture you know. It doesn't have, matter how many sermons you've listened to. Are you going to step away from the pride of what you might think you know? Are you going to step away from the things that you've allowed to come in your life and the thoughts that you may think, the things that you may see when you're on your computer, the things that you may do while you're on your phone? Are you going to lay that stuff aside and say, Lord, I'm all yours? If we do, then our relationship with him will be a comfort to us. The struggles, the trials, the tribulation that we may come in under, into. But one other thing we have to mourn it's not just our sin. But it's the sin of the world. How are they going to know the Savior if we don't reveal Him to them? If we don't introduce them to the one that died for them? You know, there's times I'll sit and talking with brothers and sisters in Christ and man, we can, we can just pour it out there on the LGBT community and all these folks that are my pronoun and your pronoun and their pronoun and here's a pronoun and there's one over there and whatever it may be. Those people need Jesus Christ. And their sin is something that we're supposed to grieve over that this world is lost and without a Savior. Where do you stand this morning? Are you standing in the comfort of Almighty God? Thank you for tuning in to this week's sermon. For more information about Hyde Park Baptist Church, please check out our website, hydepark.church, or on social media on Facebook and Instagram, at Hyde Park Baptist.